Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My name is Mary O'Callaghan. And I'm Joseph O'Callaghan's mother. As a baby, he was very, very, very good. And I mean, really, really good. Like he'd wake up in the morning time, you take him out and you change his nappy, give him a bottle of Liga and put him back into the cot. While I'd be getting the other kids ready for school and you'd go back up and he'd be asleep. You know, um, and then, but he was always very good humoured. And then I'd put him in into the pram, the, 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 not the pram, the go cart. Yeah. I don't know what she got. I don't know what she used to do to me. <laughs> <laughs> they used to tie me to the, to the, to the, to yeah, the yeah. Gate. He used to sit in, in the front, in the front garden. You were like you could leave your your children out then, you know. And he'd, I'd tie the the pram to the side of the railings. At the front door. At the front door. And it's the same thing. He just sit there. <laughs> yes, not a bother. He was a very, very good, very good, um, placid child. He told us he was gorgeous. Oh, he was stunning. Not just gorgeous, he was stunning. Snow white blonde hair. And um, in the summer he'd go real, you know, that sallow brown colour. And um, I always kind of like to dress him in bright colours to bring out. We would say... You know, the top would be real kind of, you know, standing out so you'd notice and then the bottoms, you know, would, would be toned down. But, um, yeah, he always loved his clothes, you, you know. Oh, yeah, he always loved his style. There was some very bad times in, in Ballymun, but then also there was very good times, you know. And um, even... When I split with um, their father, I never, ever stopped him from seeing them because I just didn't believe in it. You know, he never hurt them. It, it was just me, you know. If they were bold, you'd give them a slap, slap on the backside. But, you know, that was the thing back in those days. You'd be done for child abuse now if you did it now. But anyway, um, you know, it didn't do them any harm. Um and then, but then you could never catch him either. But um, like a whip. I think I realised that I made a mistake, you know. Um, they were too old when I moved. 
you know, they were actually too old when I moved. And um, it's okay if you have babies in a pram because you're going to meet people, you know, at the school and play groups and all that, which wouldn't have been around in my time anyway, play groups. But I think the opportunity of, you know, having a house of my own um, was what drew me to it, you know. Plus, you know, like, there was so much going on in Ballymun then, you know, and um, although I, I never feared, like, I never feared walking around Ballymun at night or, and, and, and but it just, the, the drugs was just, you know, overtaken. And um, I just didn't want that for them. You know, and I kind of said, well, you know, I have an opportunity here for the for, for the younger two. Um, maybe I can make their life better. When Brian Kenny came along, did no one warn you? No. 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 Nobody. Nobody. Mm. He, um, yeah, he was always... Uh, when I think back now, he was always kind of, you know, shrewd enough to know that I wasn't there. I used to go to work at half seven in the morning and I used to, wouldn't finish till seven o'clock. And it'd be seven o'clock So did you have night. any kind of impressions of him from the beginning or do, do you I remember what they were? I, I thought he was okay. I have to be honest with you. I thought yeah. he was okay. You know, he came across as if he was, you know, a genuine person. You know, but I, I, I just think that because we were new to the area and that I suppose he took advantage of that as well, too, because we didn't know anybody in the area. So who's going to tell me that you want to watch that milkman or. And Mary, it was a time in your life when you were really busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was. And, um, um, I suppose that I didn't see, uh, I didn't s- see the signs, but then I wouldn't have understood the signs either, you know? And But it, it, it doesn't allow f- for excuses for what I let happen, you know? And that was, let Brian Kenny take him under his wing, you know? So there's no excuse for that, none whatsoever. I should have. How did that happen? You have to understand, so Ma's walking from seven to seven. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm out them nights. So by the time Mark was home, I'm well gone. And I'm not getting home. By the time I'm getting home, Ma's in bed. And then it, it was... We, we, we kind of started to walk it that we were missing each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, like, we were bypassing each other. Where I probably see her for 10 minutes in the day, 20 minutes in the day. And I was... Every time I was, I'd see her, she'd be like, how are you getting on? How's the job? I'd be like, yeah, it's brilliant. It's great because it was brilliant and it was great. And once she had the baby then, they'd start asking me to babysit two kids. So what you'd say to me is, is oh, I want to take her out and want to go up to my ma's. I want to go here with you, look after the kids. So that's when they start giving me the drink and the smokes and the cocaine and I'd be up in the house and... So it's a totally gradual thing. Yeah, it was gradual. It wasn't like he just came one day and grabbed the home and my mad that no, I was gone. Like it, it wasn't like that. It was just you just it was kind of ships passing in the night. I think probably the only night I'd probably really see my mama would be Mondays and Tuesdays. 
It just slipped into a pattern. Secrets. You know, like... Things like... Things like the, the, the abuse have been secrets for so many, many, many years, hundreds of years now at this stage, and it's all it's all coming to light. I, I just I, I just can't I can't get over it. I can't forgive myself. I can't. I try and block it out sometimes, but you still, you know. Well, I still, I still feel that um, I should have, I should have seen the signs. I should have, but, you know, grooming then wasn't, um, people just didn't speak about it. You know, people didn't speak about it back in, 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 in those days. And it sounds like, you know, oh, that's back in the dark ages, but it was only 17, when we say 18 years ago, 19 years ago. But like, you know, you'd never, you just never suspected those things. I didn't know what to look for. I, you know, because, and I'm not saying you, you have to be in a position to look for it, but even the signs, because Joseph came into the house and he would be quite normal, you know? He, he, he'd be quite normal, so... Um, now, he wouldn't be there for long, but... Um, yeah, he'd come in, and... The only one time... The only one time that I actually noticed something was um, Christmas Day. And he he came in, and he had... Um, uh, you know, these things... Oh, these CD... You know, the portable CD. And... He was sitting at the table and he was having his dinner and he had the earphones in and I said, Joseph, take them out and eat your dinner. And he took them out, but he was still going, you know? And I, I said to him, will you sit still? Um, and then he said, um, I have to hurry up, I have to hurry up. Brian's coming back for me. We're going out to uh, his mother and father's, right? And he said, and Brian has the same Christmas clothes as me. The very same Christmas clothes as me. And I said, what? I said, why would you do that? I said, why would you have the same Christmas clothes as you? I bought you Christmas clothes, you know? Ah, yeah, I know, but he wants me to wear, wear these, you know? And that was the only thing that I kind of felt that was strange, you know? same thing I hadn't seen Joseph for a couple of weeks and I went up to Mitchellstown Cottage Brian's partner was there and I walked in and I said is everything okay um I haven't seen Joseph um for a couple of weeks and she said no everything's fine everything's fine she said um they're just out and I said are you sure oh god yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and she lied to my face and she had an opportunity, you know, to say, well, look at Mary, this is going on, that's going on. You know, I could have put her in my car and taken her out of that house that day, you know. I mean, I've been in those hostels, you know, the hostels for, for, for battered women, you know. So, like, and I knew exactly where I could have brought her. Brian 
Where were you the night that they came and got you? The Royal Oak. We always went on Sunday nights. I got a, call, a phone call from my daughter and I went outside and I took the phone call. And then I went back in and I told my partner at Dennis what was after happening. So um, I had told Louise to bring Joseph down to me um, in the car park of the Royal Oak. And then he told me in detail as opposed to over, you, you know, the phone. So um, Joseph told me and I said, you know, I said, we have to go to the guards. And um, he, he, was, he was terrified. He was shaking. He was panicked. He was terrified. He didn't know whether to stay or run or what to do. He just didn't know what to do. You know, and I, I had to keep reassuring him that everything will be okay and that there was nothing to worry about, you know. Um, and um, but the fear in him was unreal. He said, oh, Brian Kenny, he'll be, you know, he'll go mad and he'll be, he'll come to the house and he'll do everything he can. And I said, look, I said, we have to do this. You've now, there's three of us now involved. Um, and I said, it's the right thing to do. He said, well, okay. But he said, I'm afraid to go to the guards. I said, just just let me make a phone call. So I made the phone call and I asked for um, a, a, a certain guard. And as it turned out, um, he was on duty that night and he was actually, had been prom promoted to a sergeant. So I briefly gave him the outline and I said but the only way I said he will come is if you allow me stay with him um, the whole time because you know he is so terrified and um, he said bring him down Mary and I brought him down he basically spoke to Joseph and took a brief in, a, a statement of him and then the whole time Joseph's phone was on the table in the interview room and it was going if it wasn't ringing it was text messaging they were just coming one after the other where are you come home I'm up outside your house I'm going to uh, she, I have a gun and like you know your sisters are your are in there it was frightening. It was like an obsession. It was after overtaking Kenny that you, you're mine and you're going to be here and you're going to do what I tell you to do. You know, it was like an ownership. He owned, It was like he owned him. He, he was just, he was just like a little, he was like a little five-year-old then. He needed my guidance. He needed me to be there. And um, with all his fears, he didn't hesitate. You know, once I promised that I would not leave his side and make them promise that I wouldn't leave his side. But the guilt on his conscience, you know, and he knew that whatever else had been going on before, that was bad 
you know, it was, and it was going to get worse. And he knew at some stage that he would be at the end of that bullet. And it wasn't the way that, you know, I, I brought my son up. I, I always tried to teach them right from wrong. And he knew that was wrong. It did sink in and, and he did do the right thing and, and, and come to me, you know. Um, and my only regret is that he didn't come to me sooner. But it wasn't that he didn't want to. It was, it was the, the fear that Brian Kenny had put in him, you know. And I think when also when he seen that vicious assault on that, that young lad, um, Jesse, you know, all those things would have been in his head. You know, if he can do that, he doesn't care. He'll, he'll do it to anybody. Uh, that's, in my mind, the way Joseph would have been thinking, that, you know, Brian Kenny would come and do all that to us. I was very proud of what he did. And I knew he did the right thing. And I know he has no regrets and I have no regrets. But the I never expected the aftermath because it was chaotic. I know they had to move fast. Don't get me wrong. I know they had to move fast. But... When they got him, when they had him, Brian Kenny and, and Thomas Hinchin, but when they had them, and Joseph had already signed, you, you know, the statement, I think the guards or one of, even one of the detectives should have, you know, came along and said, now, explained it more, you know, because, like, I didn't have a, a, a great schooling. I left school when I was 13 years of age. So, you know, I w- uh, anything I know now, it's self-taught, you know. So um, I wouldn't have been very well um, up there, you know, uh, in, in the knowledge of the law. So either they should have either... You, said, well, we'll get a solicitor even to explain to you what's going to happen from here or what what way it works. But that didn't happen. So everything that came after, you know, the aftermath, it was very traumatic because we didn't know about it. It was, all, it was always, anything that happened after that was just sprung on us. Yeah, there was times that, it, it it got so overpowering and like it constantly, your phone was constantly going. And it's not that I didn't care, but I had to work and I needed headspace as well too, you know, um, because things would just pile up on you, you know. Coming up to uh, coming up to the trial, and I, I actually never expected the trial to to happen as fast as it did um it was it was hectic you know it, it was hectic and it was I wasn't in the courtroom Joseph didn't want me in the courtroom and I understand now because I didn't know then what I knew now or what I know now and um but I was in the court every day and when they'd break for, you know, 
any breaks, uh, we, we'd be brought straight into him, you know, into the, the, the room um, beside the judges' chambers. Uh, and that, um, he was my little boy. And, you know, like, to see him dressed up in this suit and, like, here he was. I got a new suit and um, I'm sorry I'm getting emotional, but, you know, the innocence was still there in him. The day that the verdict came in, there was no jubilations and, you know, uh, running off and having drinks and, you know, all this, this, uh, you know, dancing around, hugging and kissing each other. You know, it, 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 it was, it was sadness, but it wasn't sadness for Brian Kenny. Um, it was sadness for the O'Reilly family. And uh, it was another form of, like, shock as well. You know, like, numbness. What do you do now? It's just... You just go numb. It's just... You just go numb. It's like... It's like a numbness that never leaves you. Um, it's a grief. The verdict that came was the right verdict and it's the one that we wanted. Um, and they believe my son. I got to say goodbye to him in a car park. It nearly killed me. It nearly killed me and there was nothing I could do. Absolutely nothing I could do. And he was devastated. Devastated. And I think when you went there first, you tried to make a go of it. Yeah, didn't you? He, he tried to make a go of it. But then things got from from bad to worse. And... I went over a few times. He just was taken. I don't know what you were were, were taken. Everything. Everything. And he ended up being sectioned. So he used to get paid of a Monday because, you see, he didn't have a bank account, so we had no way of transferring. And we were trying to buy a ticket here to get him because Dennis said, he rang and Dennis said to him, how much money have you got? It was the Monday, you used to get paid on the Monday. And you said, 30-something pound or whatever. And Dennis said to him, go to the airport, buy a ticket. It doesn't matter what time the flight's at. And come home. So we went to the airport. And like that was early in the morning and the flight wasn't till half ten that night. And he sat in the airport all day and I took him home. And I kept him in my home in Ballymond for nearly three months. That's how safe the flats were in Ballymond, you know? There was never any fear of um, anybody getting in, you know? And if somebody did ring the bell, I could actually see out through my kitchen window. So, you know, that's how I was able to keep him there for so long until the guards got their finger out, you know, and decided, oh, okay, we're going to help here, you know? Yeah, he, he was, he just needed, he needed peace, 
quiet and sleep and just to be built up again. But all the demons going around in his head and the um, medication. He basically had a breakdown, you know, but at least he had the breakdown at home with me. He got into treatment and it helped, but it didn't help him the way the priory did, but it got him in, it put him into a better place than where he had been. Yeah, you know, we were very grateful for that. And, you know, when he was in treatment, um, he kind of, he did take um, a sort of bitterness towards me for a little while, you know, which is understandable. I can understand that, but only for a short time, you know, only for a short time. It's, you know, that's expected. And I would have expected it sooner than it did happen. But um, as I said, it didn't last for long. To me, the fact that he even wants to have anything to do with me, to be associated with me um, as his mother because of what I, I let him go through, you know, like it's a gift to me, you know, that um, he's um, forgiven me, I think. He's not to give you for You it. know, yeah. Yeah. You haven't done anything. You've done everything you can for me. Well, I should have been able to do more. But, um, unfortunately, stupid, stupid I was, stupid. When when Joseph went to the Priory, you know, he was very, he, he was very weak. He needed the treatment and they stripped, they stripped Joseph right back the beginning they taught him how to rebuild his life and how to deal and cope and manage it that's what he's doing he's existing I say he could do it better but if he hadn't have gone to the Priory I don't think he'd be I don't think he would have lived to tell the story it's as simple and plain as that He's just, in my eyes, he's, he's my son. And he's, he's gone through hell on earth. And, and I will never, ever forgive myself for what happened to him. You know, a lot of it was unknown to me. And that would have been because of some of my own selfish issues um, with, you know, the, the breakup of my marriage and relationship and I kind of, you know, uh, I was drinking for a while and plus I was working. Then I kind of copped on to myself and I said, you know, this has, this has to stop and it stopped. And I just put my head down and I worked and I worked and I worked and, you know, like to this day, and I'm 65 years of age, I still do a, a, a little bit of work. Not a lot, but... I started work when I was 13. It's a long time, a long time. And I worked when I had six children. And sometimes I worked three jobs, you know? So I suppose 
I did. I depended on my older girls as well, too. You know, they were amazing. They looked after the younger ones. You know, I still have the guilt, you know, that I should have been there more. And um, maybe, maybe this would not have happened. But maybe, maybe lots of things, you know. Everybody has, everybody has some sort of a regret in their life, you know. But just my regret is that I, I just wasn't there enough in the early, early days for my children. No point in saying if I had my life to live over because nobody knows what you do if you had your life to live over either. All I can do is try and do the best that I can now. I'm sorry for what happened. Of course I am. And I wouldn't wish it on any parent. Any parent. He's my son. And I'll always be proud of him until the day I die. You know, because he did the right thing. He did the right thing. He gave the O'Reilly family justice for their son. You know, there are still so many unsolved murders out there. And parents or a parent at home, right, that have lost a loved one through murder have had no justice. At least, you know, the O'Reilly's got justice. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.